Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back. It's Thursday morning, so this is a Thursday morning recording for your Thursday morning delivery. Part of the world's going to get it on Friday because, man, some of you guys are way out there. Speaking of way out there, boy, what's happening in Maui breaks my heart. So I know we have some listeners in Hawaii. I know they're different islands, but still shout out to those lovely people in Hawaii who may be affected by what's happening with this hurricane and these fires. That is really sad. We have a colleague who was just a couple of them who have been in Hawaii in the last few years, but Matt Wells, one of our editors was on a cruise and he literally was in these spots that went down, man. That's heartbreaking. Anyway, let's dedicate the show to those people in Hawaii and obviously pray for the recovery of these of that island. Um, on today's show, obviously, we'll talk about the UFC card coming up this weekend with RDA and Vicente Luque. Logan Storley, Brennan Ward, they headline Bellator 298. Got a lot of news to go over. The results from Tough, the results from Dana White Contender Series. So buckle up and we'll start the show. As always, I failed to mention we also have a guest on today's show. Maurice Green will join us. Former UFC heavyweight veteran. Uh, now with the PFL, he's a semifinalist, and he'll be getting down on Friday, August 18th on ESPN. He's headlining against Henan Fajeda. And it's not too often the 6'7 giant is facing someone taller than him. Henan Fajeda is 6'8". So this should be a nice, fun main event for the PFL. We'll talk to him as well. So let's get going. I guess the first thing I remember goes, because there's lots to go over. I try and go in in the order in which it was received. But uh, Izzy finally has his opponent. He's fighting Sean Strickland at UFC 293. So there's your main event, folks, for those of you out in Sydney. There weren't that many options, right, that, like, really – would pop or make much sense um it was just one of those perfect storms and okay i mean we got sean strickland he's gonna talk it up it's gonna mm-hmm. fall for it um at the end of the day though do we think sean strickland's gonna beat israel adesanya that's a tough one i mean he's gonna have to put on his perfect performance 
Israel Adesanya is going to have to put on his worst performance, I think. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I root for the guys from Extreme Couture. Not like hardcore waving a flag, you know, not like that bad, but uh, this is a tough task goes for Sean Strickland. He, his main weapon is his cardio. So the first thing he needs to do, in my opinion, is just put a pace on. The problem is he's also hittable, right? And with Izzy, Izzy's power is, in my opinion, sometimes, I'm not going to say over uh, overrated. I'm going to say overstated. He has it. Don't get me wrong. That's how he got his title back. But a lot of his fights do go to decision. They don't just end with this amazing strike from the former kickboxing champ. It's nothing like that. Uh, and I'm not trying to throw shade. What I'm saying is he's a sniper. He can definitely put you out with one punch. And so Sean Strickland has to be wary of that. I don't think Izzy fears that in Sean Strickland, that he has that mm-hmm. type of power to knock him out. But anyway, Izzy's got pretty damn good cardio himself. Although I notice he gets tired, uh, you know, in, in the later rounds, just as much as the next guy. Um, I think Sean Strickland would be very smart to just switch it up a little bit. And here's what I mean by that: Sean Strickland uh, should try to wrestle, not because it's fun to watch. Just ask Corey Sanhagen. Just because. He needs to try and exhaust uh, Israel Adesanya and also throw him off. If they just stand there and kickbox, which is what Sean Strickland loves to do, it's just not going to go good for him, man. I think I'm going to see a similar ending as to what we saw from Alex Fajeda. It won't be a one-hitter quitter, but I think it'll be basically uh, a a sequence of punches that catches Sean, and Sean won't be able to answer. And guess what? He's going to be very angry when he looks at the tape and just says, why did I do that? I think Sean needs to do something like what Jared Cannonier did with Marvin Vittori. Marvin mm-hmm. Vittori usually does not get tired, goes. But Cannonier said, oh, yeah, watch this. And he put on an amazing pace. Um, I think Sean Strickland needs to put on that type of pace, but also mix in some wrestling and just get into those later rounds uh, where maybe, maybe he can catch Izzy with some punches. Uh, maybe take him down. You know, do some ground and pound. I, I I don't know. This is a real tall task for Sean Strickland. It's weird because Israel Adesanya is such a good fighter, and in regards, like in, in the way that we speak of him, um, he's not untouchable either, right? Like for the longest time, when you're talking about GSP. There's just this mystique. Anderson Silva, there's this mystique. But then eventually they kind of get touched up where now it's no longer like this incredible mountain to climb. Um, You could stand with Israel Adesanya and he's been knocked out before. And we've seen that you could also wrestle him, right? Sean can do all those things. It's just uh, he's got to be really smart about it. And that's just something that at times he does not do in his fights and and then he'll just fall back on yeah man but i know i just, you know me i just like the bang like uh, that's cool but if you want to win a title you got to listen to your coaches 
And what's the one thing you always hear about Sean Strickland is he does not listen to his coaches. So it's going to be tough. But last night, I just happened to be watching Anderson Silva and, um, uh, oh, my God, I forgot his name. New York, Long Island. Guy knocked Chris him out. Weidman. Chris Weidman. Watch, I watched that fight. And you know what? <clears throat> Israel Asanya does a lot of those silly things. And the shot that Chris Weidman caught him with wasn't really the hardest shot in the world. It just landed on the button. And right. that he can do. Sean Strickland can do that. If Israel Adesanya toys around with him and, and, and doesn't take him serious, there are ways Sean Strickland can win the fight. And that's what kind of makes the whole situation interesting. That's actually a pretty good example um, because Weidman, it was a four-punch combo. And I remember the third punch was like this lazy backhand, like almost like feeling worthy again, like that that type of thing. And then he got then he caught him with a hook. It was just on the button. Sean Strickland is definitely capable of that. Um, the problem is, look, if Sean sets up a nice one-two, and he turns his hips, you know, puts his legs into it. Yes, he's he's he's. Slowly but surely, he's added some power to his punches. Reminds me of Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping had a nickname. They used to call him Pillow Hands, actually. Um, but towards the end, he actually started to sit on his punches, and he developed some power, and he won the title from Luke Rockhold, a guy that blasted him the first time they fought, and he put it on him, man, really, really nice. He worked at it, and he developed some power. He still wasn't known as the hardest puncher at middleweight, but enough that it won him a title. And, yeah, Strickland probably could do something like what Weidman did. Weidman was kind of out of frustration a little bit. Um, and so uh, messed around a, a lot. But Adesanya can be emotional at times, and it'll be up to Strickland to poke at him all week, poke at him on fight day, poke at him during the fight, and mm -hmm. maybe see if he can catch the other guy making some sort of a mistake. But, yes, I think every fight that goes by, Strickland listens to his coaches just a little bit more, uh, which is called, obviously, some maturity. Um, you know, I, I just think that... Um, I think we're gonna have a. Fun, I think it's gonna be a fun fight, and Strickland's personality will definitely build it on fight week. It'll be cool, uh, and and you know, and that's that. This might just be one of Izzy's easier title defenses. Like I say, if he just kind of, he's a master at distance, and gauging someone's speed and their angles and seeing what they do. And again, if Strickland only offers kickboxing up. Izzy, I think, is going to have a, a good time, especially if Strickland doesn't put a pace on him, which means he's got to kind of go into that zone where he can get sniped. Um, so it, uh, I don't know. I leave it to Eric Nixick to come up with some sort of a game plan and some options so that he's just not out there and he's kind of a sitting duck. Izzy's got reach. He's got speed. He's got power. Man, those are some big things going, you know. Um, but, but, again, cardio. Cardio becomes something else in rounds four or five, uh, and maybe Sean can get to that point. Now, UFC 293 
at this point, I wanted to give you guys an update of what it looks like because I remember we felt like not only did they need to add a main event, they need because they haven't been to Sydney, Australia in four years. They used to be kind of a big destination for them. A, just the country of Australia, but B, Sydney, their capital. You know, it almost sounded like they could kind of like London, like you almost wanted to go there once a year, you know, if you were the UFC. But it's been four years, and so they're back on September 9th, 9th to us, 10th to them, at the Kudos Bank Arena. Israel Adesanya versus Sean Strickland. Dion Jung versus Carlos Olberg. I like Olberg, but I don't know if that's a co-main event to me. Manel Kopp versus Kaikar France. That's pretty cool. I like that. Tai Tuivasa versus Alexander Volkov. I like that. Justin Toffa versus Austin Lane. Okay, it's not like that fight's gonna not gonna suck. That's gonna be a banger, but that's kind of like a cheap throw-in by the UFC because they know that that's probably enough to give us that vicious KO, get us foaming at the mouth. But is it really, really top-notch mixed martial arts? Probably not. Gabriel Miranda versus Shane Young, John McDessie versus Jamie Malarkey. You see what I'm saying, guys? I think it still needs one more fight, like to to make me go okay. You know, now I feel pretty damn good. Yeah, I could agree with that. And actually, I thought the Kaikara France was more of the, the co-main event uh, when it was all announced. But, you know, when you when you hear it, the best way I could describe it is you hear it and you go, okay. Uh, but you're not jumping out of your seat going, oh, my God, I can't wait. Now, come fight week, it might be a different feeling because Izzy's Izzy and Sean is just odd. You know, he, he can kind of get different reactions out of people maybe we're fired up when it comes to fight time but right now it's it's not an insult but you're not jumping out of your chair uh going nuts for these fights here's a couple more jack jenkins versus chapman Mariscal, blood diamond versus charlie radke and tyson pedro versus anton turkle turkle j turkleish um they did lose Casey O'Neill versus Vivian Araujo, except Araujo picked up an opponent. And I thought I saw it on Junkie yesterday. I'm going to see if I can track it down. But Topology hasn't updated their card. Um, Casey O'Neill has a broken nose, I believe. So I'll see if I can find that fight that's there. And, uh, it, you know, I'm, I'm not in any way trying to say that's your main, that's your co-main or anything like that. But it was a fight that was there. I'm trying to give them as much credit as they, as I can for the card that they did build. But anyway, moving on from that. Okay, a lot sooner than that, like two weeks, three weeks before that is UFC 292. They lost a fight. Jeff Neal versus Ian Machado Gary. Neal is out. In steps in, Neal Magny. Now, I had posted goes, Kevin Holland, give him a call. He usually is pretty down to fight. Kevin Holland just strikes me as a guy that can make weight no problem and just loves the fight. Like strategy, be you know, out out the door, out the window. The guy just can fight pretty damn good, especially on late notice. He seems kind of like a go-to guy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the dude. And I think we got a kind of a glimpse at what he makes. And uh, it's a pretty decent paycheck, dude. If he keeps rolling those out, holy shit, man, that's life-changing money for him. So Anytime that situation goes down, I think that is who you call. And I have a feeling they probably did call him. There's just because it, it to me, it 
sort of makes too much sense, but I'm sure there was a reason why he couldn't do it. Well, at the end of his last fight, he did say he wanted to move up to 85. He wants to eat, so maybe he just was out of that range, but he just seems to have some incredible genes, man, like mm-hmm. where losing the weight and getting down to 170 is just zero, zero problem for him. But anyway, I found that name. It's going to be Jennifer Maya that steps in and fights Vivian Araujo. Uh, so moving on from that and moving on from 292 being a big story because of that fight that fell out. Uh, okay, a few other announcements were made in the last few days. Bellator 300. We should have known. 298 this weekend in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. 299 follows that. Well, 300 is a pretty big round number. Hell, the UFC hasn't even gotten to 300, although those are 300 pay-per-views, whereas Bellator, these have pretty much been their regular fight series, arena series, whatever you call them. Um, They've had a couple pay-per-views as well and some big tentpole events, which are basically stacked cards. But this Bellator 300 card is pretty stacked. So these are the four title fights. That'll take place at Bellator 300 on October 7th at the Fachanga Arena in San Diego. Not the Fachanga uh, Reservation, which is just outside of Temecula. This is the Fachanga Arena in San Diego, so it's downtown San Diego. It used to be called the San Diego Sports Arena. Uh, Brian Bader is going to headline against Linton Vassell. So Bader will put his heavyweight strap up against Linton Vassell. Chris Cyborg takes on Kat Zingano for um, Cyborg's featherweight title. Usman Nurmagomedov, the lightweight champ, he fights former champion Brett Primus. Uh, Now, this has nothing to do with the Grand Prix that's taking place. The winner of the Grand Prix will fight the winner of this fight. And then Liz Carmouche takes on her good friend, training partner, and former champ, Elima Leigh McFarlane. Uh, that's really, really nice. That's a, that's a really nice card, girls. I like that one. Yeah, it is. And I mean, the question is, could it be the last event we ever see? We never know. We keep hearing those talks, right? Uh, but to me, the one that stands out the most is Cyborg and, uh, and Kat Zinganu. And it's because they made us care about it. You know, they both were very, very vocal. And now... You know, had there not been any trash talk, I would have thought, man, I just feel like Cyborg's the better fighter. She's just going to run through her. But all this trash talk, it's made me more excited for this fight. It's finally here. What's the feeling I got when I heard it? So it's going to be an interesting night. I was holding on to some, I was holding out for something. Once the Bellator uh, PFL talks emerged a few weeks ago, and I heard Bellator 300 for a half second. I thought, ooh, you know what would be nice is if somehow part of all this that's going on, Kayla Harrison's going to fight um, Chris Cyborg because she teased some big announcement. Mm-hmm. I knew yeah, it could be Cat. I, I knew it could be Cat, but I thought, oh, man, imagine if it's Kayla. Holy cow. That, that might even be so big that it might headline over Bader. And Vassell, usually it's heavier cl- the weight classes, the heavier the weight class, the more likely they are to headline. But mm-hmm. this one would be so big that it might, you know, one could introduce that. I don't know if it gets shot down in a meeting, 
But one could say, well, what, what would we say to that? And I think you'd have to hear that out. Yeah, that would have been nuts. Yeah. So as far as Bellator and PFL and what's going on, uh, speaking of teasing, Don Davis, who's one of the executives over at PFL, he recently said that something big's coming down the pipelines. Ray Seffo was asked about it at the last post-fight playoffs. Well, post-fight press conference after their playoffs in San Antonio, and he kept saying, man, I want to tell you guys, but I can't. But something is coming down the pipelines, and we think it it has to do with those rumors of Bellator and PFL, I guess, becoming one. I, I, I think Bellator goes to the PFL, PFL buys them, or it just looks like, you know, that that's the, of the two franchises or the two promotions, that's the one that is going to keep its name and keep going, absorbing mm-hmm. the Bellator talent. But please do not quote me on that. I've just heard it from enough people to think that that's what's happening, not vice versa, and not any other promotions being involved. Right. Oh. Anyway, all right, so we continue here. We got Bellator out of the way. We got USC 293. They got their main event. Now let's talk about uh, an update on Stephen Thompson. He was supposed to fight Michelle Pajeda at USC 291 in uh, Salt Lake City. He didn't because Michelle Pajeda came in three pounds over. Stephen Thompson thought about it, and apparently behind the scenes he was told, you know, you'd get 20% of the other guy's money. Stephen Thompson said, no, I fought bigger guys before like that that didn't that were already bigger than me, missed weight, and by the time I fought them, they were just, you know, big. I did my job. I've never missed weight. What Dana White said when asked about it was, hey, look, this guy makes a lot of money. We're not just going to write him a check for not fighting. We went, we explored options like, would you take this other fight? Would you take this other fight in a few weeks? And apparently Thompson kept saying, no, 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 just give me my money. And I'm out. He goes, that's not the way it works. Um, he seemed to imply that if he was like a 10 and 10 guy or 12 and 12 guy, he'd probably just go, yep, here's your money. We'll call you when we're ready for the next fight. But because Stephen Thompson is regarded as a big name, a guy that can headline a fight night or be part of a pay-per-view like UFC 291, I think they wanted to pencil him in somewhere. Go, something leads me to believe, too, maybe Australia was thrown out there. Who knows? Um, I don't. I, I don't know if maybe uh boston you know ufc 292 who knows right but thompson was like no i i I don't want to do that um dana white was on vacation and thompson felt like by the time dana gets back we're going to sort this out what dana seemed to imply was we're going to get you enough money to take care of the expenses you had kind of like a fair number to at least cover the fact that you did train for this fight, you didn't make weight. How do you feel about that, Goes? I mean, it's it, think about this. I know this didn't happen. I know it's a what about, but if Thompson had made it, 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 it let's say Pajeda made it, weighed in and made it on time, and Pajeda passed out and hit his head on Saturday, I bet you the UFC would have paid Thompson then. Yeah. You know what that I mean? Um, I don't know if they would have paid him the whole thing or what. You know, Ariel Hawani went on kind of a rant saying, you guys got the money. This guy did his job. Just pay him. Pay him his 300000 or whatever it is that he makes. He makes a lot of money. I understand that, too. But I guess I do understand the UFC's point in terms of we do try and pay fighters and get them out of there and get them going because they didn't make an effort. Their job is to train and fight. 
Makeway and Thompson did all that. He just decided not to fight. And he has given up a disadvantage. But what I do believe is maybe there should be a limit of what will pay you on fight night. You know, just because we've gotten some 10 and 10 guys, 12 and 12 guys, 2020 guys, doesn't mean we're going to pay just anyone that much money for not fighting. Now, in that Hawani rant, he did say, hey, some people might have showed up to Salt Lake and paid that money because Wonder Boy was on the card. Some of them may have said, oh, cool, I get to see the BMF as well and a few other things. Not everyone just said, here's my money because of Wonder Boy, but you don't know. What Wonder Boy's point is, is I showed up and some people did pay some money. There is a, every fight card has a budget that's allocated. So that money's already there. And it made me think, you know how when fighters draw goes? So let's say you and I fight, you make 100, 100, I make 100, 100. We fight to a draw. Well, you make your 100 for show. I make my 100 for show. But neither one of us won. But UFC has allocated that they're going to pay either you or me 100 because they expect one of us to win. But if it's a draw, now what? They just keep the 100. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So I get that. Some of that money is budgeted to go out there. So there should be something that says, um, we will pay you your show money, but maybe up to a certain limit. That's something that I think the UFC should learn from and just kind of address going forward. Because when you do something in the past, it's kind of expected of you in the in the future. And when you're someone that is a choir boy, like Stephen Thompson, a good guy, a team guy, you would almost think he'd get the most benefits of the doubt. I'll tell you. I actually really enjoyed this Dana White and how he tackled this. He didn't call anybody an idiot or who do you think you are. He stood up there calmly and he explained the situation. And I didn't have an issue with his explanation. I thought a lot of it made sense. And and I was going into it, Team Wonder Boy, you got to pay him. But Dana's explanation and the way he laid it out, made me understand their side a little bit. He's kind of right to a certain extent, right? Like that is a lot of money to just pay somebody for not doing anything either. I think you're right, George, in the sense that, uh, hey, it's like we didn't know that, right? That he was going to pay camp expenses and all that. That definitely lowers the burden a little bit. Um, But there maybe should be something put in place, a system so that we don't have these conversations we just know automatically okay this is what happened this is how it's handled um i think as the media we should know that i think fighters obviously they should know that the organization should put that out there so i'd like to see that going forward but the way he actually handled it and the way he explained it is how i wish he would tackle more things he did do pretty good he did do pretty good um Except again, there's there still is a little bit of a uh, God. I hate using this word, but there's this little bit of a vibe of arrogance, kind of like, what are you crazy for even bringing the question up? Because again, we've heard stories of you paying fighters who made weight. But because their opponents didn't, didn't they fucked up somehow by either not making weight or getting hurt or pussing out. I don't know. A fight didn't take place, but you felt bad for the for the other fighter, so you took care of them. What you didn't tell us was that there was a limit of your generosity of 
you know, hey, had you been a 1010 guy? Yeah, sure, no problem. Here's the check. But because he's a 300 grand guy, well, that's a whole different story. We got to get something for our money. But, you know, like I say, I've seen this often happen with limits. You know, you get, we'll do 2% up to a certain limit or something like that. I see it in life mm -hmm. all the time. Something like that would make sense. Because, look, Wonder Boy probably showed up with his dad, who's his trainer, and a couple other coaches. And along the way, back in South Carolina, probably someone was his nutrition or strength and condition. You know how Jorge Mimamazaral says, Monday is the day you go to the bank, you get your money out, and you pay your coaches. That's what you're supposed to do. And it's a great day for him because usually, especially if it's coming off a win, he gets to take care of people or whatever. That's got to be on Wonder Boy's mind. Like, how do I take care of these guys? I, I was yeah. supposed to get paid. I made weight. He didn't. It was three pounds. It wasn't half a pound. And he referenced the fight, which by split decision, it, it lost. It might have made a difference. You know, um, we all know that we're going to put, get put through hell. And then we're all going to, you know, weigh in the same. And then we're going to have as fair of a fight as we can on Saturday. But if one guy isn't allowed to do that and all he gets is a 20% tax, but yet he's a bigger guy and he snuffs me and now he gets his win show and win money. And, and lately we've been seeing some guys get show, win, and if it's an exciting performance, they still get bonus. Remember the strict rule used to be if you miss weight, no bonus. And I think yeah. I've seen it either once or twice in the last year or so where just this exception was made. So well, that's isn't that everybody's biggest gripe, right? The consistency. Right. And and like what we don't know is what I'd love to hear from Thompson is what were what was presented to you? Because it's not easy to re rehydrate and then two weeks later, like if they told him, Hey, on, on the 19th in Boston, will you fight Ian Machado Gary? You know, or or some other killer, you know, three weeks later, who knows what. Like, he may be thinking, bitches, I'm 40. I'm not going to fight someone younger than me. I'm already making an exception with this Michelle Fajeda guy. You know, but I don't want to fight someone ahead of me because I want to fight for a title. So I'm not just going to take any name. Or if they mm -hmm. presented him with some grinder, you know, like I say, the other day, I remember I was a little, I was ticked off. You can ask goes because Ode Osborne lost to a guy that debuted from Kazakhstan. No shade at the guy, okay? That guy did his job. He beat O'Day Osborne fair and square. But what I was saying was O'Day, I think, was pushing 10 fights in the UFC. And if O'Day would have won, the only thing we would have said was, hey, congrats, shake his hand. But we really don't know much about the other guy, so we couldn't say, hey, congrats. Way to get past so-and-so. That mm -hmm. guy didn't have a name, a ranking, a nothing. You know what I mean? And so it could be that Thompson's same thing, like, who, maybe he got presented someone where he just doesn't gain anything. He doesn't take a step forward. So we have to hear both sides. Well, we never hear both sides. And that's the part that's a little frustrating. Yeah, for sure. All right. There's lots of other stories that we can get to and we will get to. But I think right now is a good time for our guest, Maurice Green. Maurice Green is going to be fighting on August 18th on ESPN, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. His opponent will be. Hannah Fajeda. Let me actually clarify that. That's when the main card starts. These guys are the main event, so they'll probably fight about two hours later. Co-main event that night, Larissa Pacheco against Olina Kolsnick. That should be a great fight. Nice co-main and main all on ESPN. No excuses. Catch it, folks. The winners of these fights move on to the finals later on this year. We'll be back with the Crochet Boss Morning Screen.
going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the sport of mixed martial arts. Today, we get to talk to the crochet boss himself, Maurice Green, who looks like he just finished a workout there in the pool. Right in What's the middle on, of it. We're right in the middle of it. Oh, you're in the middle I of know. it? Yeah, I knew yesterday I was going to be here while I was doing my, while I was going to talk. So we, I plan to, I got enough done before and I'll finish the rest after. So it's all good. So tell us, because we've seen you and some other, or we've seen, you know, you were just talking about John Jones, others in the pool. Explain to us this workout and how it pushes you compared to other workouts. Um, It's amazing how you can feel like you're about to drown in three feet of water. Um, you know, it, it shows you how to relax when your body's kind of under stress, you know. Um, it's a great cardio workout. It's a full body workout, very different from running. Uh, I think the cardio is much harder from than running. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of guys aren't doing it. Period. Point blank in the story, you know. And um, I'm getting older. I'm no uh, spring chicken over here. So um, the pool is a savior for my cardio and everything. You know, I run still, but uh, I just don't do as much running. I used to put in 15 plus miles a week. I'm just getting older, and uh, you know, your body just doesn't recover like it used to when you used to be able to pound that body up. So uh, this is a way to still get the, the, the same type of cardio workout I'm seeking um, and be a little easier and a little uh, little better on my body. You know, and also when I'm real tight or if something's tight, it gives it actually swimming helps me loosen some of those muscles up. So um, it's good all the way around. I'll probably continue this into my old age for real. <laughs> So my next question was going to be, does it complement running or does it replace running? But you said you still run a little bit. I run because so... I want to, not because I have to. Uh, oh. It can replace running if wow, I want really? to. I, yeah, I think so. You know, boxing coaches would say, you know, that spring you get from running, but shit, your Achilles tendons, your knees, you know, I'm 260-some pounds, so... Um, you're always getting pounded on those knees every time you run. It doesn't matter how young or how old we get. It's just over time, it's, get, it's worse on the knees, and it's worse on the joints, and it's worse on those right. things. Well, I'm able to save those joints and those knees and those ankles and all that stuff to get fucked up in the cage if they got to get messed up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So You, you, you kind of hesitated, though. You said, I think it can replace it, but are you pretty certain that if you only did swimming, you could go strong 15, 25 minutes, whatever is necessary? Yeah, I didn't run at all my for the, my, the last fight I fought Ante. I didn't run at all. I just oh, chose not to run. Yeah, I just chose not to run. That is um, interesting. I like, wonder why like, this isn't done more. I don't know. A lot of people swear by putting that road work in. And there's nothing right. wrong with it. I love putting the road work in, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm swimming now at elevation, but when I run, you know, I'll go up to 6,200, 6,200, 6,500 feet above sea level and run up there in the, uh, in the foothills. And then you can take it a step further and go up to the mountain and probably be like seven, 8,000. I don't even know how high it is up there, but I know it's that high. So, uh, I mean, you can, but, you know, I'm just getting older, man. I'm just less is more. And uh, I'm trying to find things that I can do to, to keep, me, keep me in it with these young men, but not take so much of a beating. Uh, yeah. and training so uh, so I can give it all I got in the cage, you know what I mean? Instead of uh, nursing yeah. an injury in there. No, it sounds brilliant, honestly. Um, okay, how about this? From the first day that you tried this, 
And I don't know if you had pool experience before or not. How long did it take you to do finally get going and do a nice stroke uh, and just, you know, not have to worry about swallowing water know, or anything I'll like that? I'll ask my swimming coach, hey, Jesse, how long you think it took me from the first, because I've been swimming with him this whole time. How long you think it took me from when I when you first started swimming with me to get to a like a flow state? I mean, I still you still struggle with it. I mean, it's an ongoing battle. I fight, yeah. but how long would you say that I really started swimming good? It took about four months. Took about four months. Four months, huh? Yeah, Man, I'm even yeah, considering this. This is interesting. At the time, yeah. we were doing it, you know, three times a week. I think we were swimming three times a week. Yeah. You know, and the, and the swimming workouts ain't no punk. You know, it's not just laps. You know, we do dive and goes in the small pool where you dive in. You got to get your big ass out, turn around and dive back in and get your big yeah. ass out. You know, those are fucking tough. You know, we tread water. There's a bunch of stuff he has us doing. Um, have you done the, uh, have you, done the uh, you know, get like a two-gallon milk, empty it out, fill it with water, and then hold it and just tread with your legs? Have you done nope. that yet? Nope, not me. I sink. Now, now, my teammate over here, Dwight, you know. He yeah. likes extracurricular shit. So, you know, when he's treading, he holds his hands out for 10 seconds. Coach makes yeah. him do that. He makes him try to get his titties above the water. <laughs> that means you got to kick. You got to kick harder to get you, right. you know, for 10 seconds. He does all that extracurricular shit. I'm just trying to tread water for five minutes, okay? <laughs> that shit's hard enough. <laughs> I, played, you know, I, I just, played water polo in high school, and I remember we did that for Hell Week, and it was not fun at all. Uh, and yeah, you do start to sink, but you, you eventually you get it. But I guess we did different types of things. Yes, we swam, but uh, man, it's been so long. I just don't know if I could recover the stroke, you know, because I'm big and uh, fat and shit. Hey, you'll get it. You'll get it. The nice thing about the water, uh, what is, it, is it like water displacement or whatever the fuck they call it, where yeah. it's like, you know, your weight, you're a little lighter in the water, so you'll get it. I bet you. If you hop back in the water and you start doing it, it may take you a little bit, but it'd be just like riding a bike if you've done it long enough, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Maurice, would, can you do this in the ocean, too? Would you do it in the ocean? Hell no. Nope. <laughs> okay. Nope. I, I, I got no, you know, it's uh, it's eventful enough being black. Uh, I don't I don't need to go swim with the sharks. You know, I don't need to, you know, do all that, uh, that extreme sports shit. Uh I feel like being black is an extreme sport in America. You do swim the, with the sharks. I've seen that team you got in Albuquerque, man. Those guys, uh, you guys got quite a squad over there. Those are some sharks. We do, man. We do. Uh, I mean, thankful to John Jones. John Jones really was the uh, was the catalyst behind getting it all together. You know, putting his, himself a camp together inadvertently. You know, he gave a small group of men who want to come in and work hard and. Um, you know, who really just want to work hard and are good people to come in and uh, really take advantage of some training and that you can't buy anywhere. You can't go in a gym and really get it. It's all different. It's tailored. It's it's not the same. So um, I'll say it. I've said it a million times. I'm thankful to John for almost like a reigniter of my career and, you know, where I thought I was going. I was damn near close to thinking about retirement. Because mm. uh, I didn't have a gym, I just didn't think I had the support. And uh, luckily, I, I, you know, John wanted me to come in the room with him. And you know, through this, it reignited my flame quite a bit, and uh, it also helped me learn how to train smart and hard. You know, mm -hmm. uh, versus just beating my body up. You know, you don't realize how much recovery, rest, massages, rolling. Uh, how much that should be a part of your daily regimen that a lot of us just put to the wayside because we're young and we can just bounce back. Well, 
you know, I'm 37 years old. You just don't bounce back sometimes uh, without doing something about it. So, um, yeah, man, we got a great group of guys. We got an even better group of coaches and um, a bunch of dedicated guys that come in there to get the job done, you know? Mm-hmm. Maurice Green joins us here on MMA Junkie Radio. He's got a fight coming up Friday, August 18th on ESPN. He'll be headlining with Hannon Fajeda. The winner moves on to the finals to fight for $1 million. So there'll be another semifinal that night as well. Dennis Goldsloff against Jordan Heaterman. All right, Goes, what do you have for Maurice Green, our guest here? Maurice, I'm going to have to go back to the pool because I, I have a question about that. As soon as I saw yeah. you doing it and talking about it, I thought about something. I'm me, you're you, so you know more about this. But tell me if I'm off here. What about the breathing? Because I have to imagine in swimming, you have to kind of relegate your breathing and, and get into patterns. But in fighting, the, and even all sports, really, you have to be able to regulate your breathing as well. Do you yep. correlate those? Is that do they help each other out? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we had a, you know, we I've had breathing coaches and we've had a breathing coach come in and kind of, uh, you know, teach us the process of, you know, how your body goes through a recovery during those breathing exercises. So, yeah, in between, you know, like sometimes we'll do like uh, these suck too. We did three, you know, we go every 30 seconds. So you swim a 25 every 30 seconds and it takes you about 18 18 to 20 seconds, 18 to 21 seconds probably to get down there. You know, as you start to fatigue, it gets a little longer, like 21. But if you're in good shape, we can swim 18, 8, 17, 18, maybe 18, 19. But anyway, uh, you got you got maybe 12 seconds to make a recovery before you got to go again. You know, we do six of those. And um, that shit's tough, man. But uh, you find a way to recover through, you know, the breathing exercises that I've learned. And, uh, you know, I still do it in the cage. You know, the way somebody's breathing tells me a lot about their condition. So uh, I pay attention to that little shit. What about the mental side? I imagine when you're in the gym, just hearing the noises and what's going on, uh, I, I imagine fighting obviously is in the back of your mind. But when you're in the pool, it's just you in the water. What actually goes through your head? Uh, do you think about the fight at all or the train or are you think no, about it? You have no time. Hey, I'm trying not. I'm not trying. My black ass trying not to drown out here in four feet of water. So uh, <laughs> I ain't thinking about no fight. What I'm thinking about is my next breath. What I'm thinking about is all right. When I'm under the water, I need to exhale. On what stroke do I get all this air out? So when I turn my head, I can get the most air in, so I can be calm in my strokes. What happens is if I don't get enough air in between, I rush my strokes. I rush my strokes. I can't get enough air on the other side. Or, you know, sometimes when you come up, if you don't come up right, you get water in your mouth. Like, for instance, just a minute ago, I was just swimming 100, 100, down, back, down, back. And uh, when I'm coming back for the 50, um, I lost it. I just lost my breath. Well, now I got to suck it up for my next breath. And on my next breath, hopefully catch my breath, which I did. And I finished it smooth. But, like, you have those moments where it's like, um, at first, when, when it first used to happen to me, I'd freak out and I'd have to stop. Um, now I'm finding my way to recover, find my breath, get enough breath. Uh, you know, it's taking time, but, you know, I, I think now I'm swimming, I'm swimming pretty damn good. And uh, I found my peace here. It's, it's very peaceful. You know, it's quiet. We got music going usually, but you can only hear that in between. You don't hear that in the water. It's just you in the water. When you do sit down and think about the fight, what is it that you envision happening in this fight? How do you see this fight playing out for you? Me getting my hand raised, you know, 
there's no points involved now, you know. There's no um, – I don't have a, uh incentive to finish them in the first round besides my own incentives. Um, if an opportunity arises, I, you bet your sweet ass I'm going to finish them as soon as possible so I can get back out, have an even better training camp, not take too much damage, and um, get ready for this for this uh, maybe rematch with uh, Goldsoff, uh or Heiderman, either one, um, or not rematch with Heiderman, but Heiderman. But uh, what I really want is I want I want to fight Goldsoff again. I got to write that wrong in my head. But you know, first and foremost, I got to take care of Ran Ran. Maurice, does PFL does it feel like home now? And have you kind of figured things out and and uh, just acclimated to everything that goes on with pfl with point systems all that does it feel like you're you're home now it's always fun wherever i'm at feels like home to me you know um i'm unlike any of these other fighters outside of the cage uh you know most of them ain't got no sense of person i mean if you look at ran ran like you know who cares to watch him fight nobody fucking cares to watch him fight you know there's no personality there he can barely speak fucking english uh nor is he probably trying to learn it um I don't know, man. I don't know. I just, you know, there's a lot more layers to me than just this fucking big, mean fighter. You know, one of my sponsors is actually So Tights, um, who has a magnetic uh, cutting system that I use to cut my tags for my for my uh, crocheted hats and, and make my tags. So that's one of my sponsors that nobody in MMA will ever have <laughs> because they're not like me. I'm in my own lane. I'm going to stay in my own lane. I'll always be in my own lane. The only difference is this year I'm going to be a world champ. It's going to start. We're running through Ran Ran. Keep it real with us, all right? I know. Can your trainer hear us right now? No. Okay. I'll tell him, though. Are you, deep down inside, are you closer to, I can't wait for these guys to shut up so I can get back into my workout? Or are you like, ask me another question so I could take a little bit of a, a breather? Oh, it doesn't matter to me. I'm good, man. I'm, my, my cardio's good. My condition's good. I'm, I actually leave here and go straight to a lifting session where I do more cardio after I lift. So um, Mondays and Wednesdays are tough days anyway. I go from swimming to lifting. Um, but I, I, I can say, honestly, I legitimately enjoy the process. I used to have coaches, even when I trained at Factory X, I'm not too big on fucking Mark Montoya. Um, but he has a really good program over there and a bunch of good guys in that room. And uh, he used to always tell us, and I, I'll never forget some of the things he said because some of it is valuable. Um, but he used to tell us, you know, you got to find a way to enjoy the process. And for a long time, you know, it was all about money for me. And, um, again, when, I, when I've when i gotten this room with John, it reignited that uh, love of the process because that's consistent. You know, that's consistent in my life, this process. I may not always fight forever, but this process will always be consistent, meaning I can continue doing this stuff when I'm done. So uh, I really process, you know, I used to be 330 pounds. I love being in shape. I'll never be fat again. Um, you know, MMA is giving me my health back uh, at 37. I look at some of the people I graduated from high school with and the motherfuckers fat and out of shape. Um, and I'm still in shape and I'm still looking young and, you know, I like it. I like it. So, no, when I get done here, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to finish my workout, whether I like it or not. Uh, but if I didn't get the rest, I'd be right in the workout with Dwight. <laughs> Would you, will you miss doing interviews when you retire? Um, I'll still be doing it. I'm acting, man. I just actually booked my, booked my first role in a movie, which I can't speak about. But um, 
So I'm acting. I'm sure I'll be doing something in the media somewhere. It just won't be MMA probably. I'll probably ride off into the sunset and work with some yarn companies and continue my acting career and all that good stuff. Uh, maybe I'll follow the coach. And I don't know, you know, right now I'm just I'm focused on MMA. I'm focused on this tournament. And I'm really focused on being a world champion because I'm trying to leave this sport with something. Um, I know that, you know, a lot of people say, no, you did a lot in the sport. But for me, you know, if I can't be a world champion, this is all for naught. I mean, that's how I think about it. You know, I've given a lot of my life to this. I look at my whole life. It's been closing on 14 years. Um, and, yeah, man, it's time. You know, I said it last time against uh, Ante. Um, you know, the time is now. And at the end of that fight, uh, I lost that fight for myself. I not get by choosing not to get up thinking I won the fight. Um, that was a tougher pill to swallow than not having the gas tank to get up. That, knowing that I had the gas tank and choosing – to stay there because I thought I was winning and I was just going to go to the semis um, was a tough pill to swallow and, and lesson learned. So, um, yeah, I'll still be doing interviews when this is done, man. Come on, I'm the crochet boss. You guys ain't never seen All that. All right. <laughs> Making sure you, you don't forget about us. Um, when you become a movie star or TV star, uh, you said you got something in the works, so that's cool. We'll catch up then. Last question. Um, you know, you were in our studio in November of 2018. And it was at the Mandalay Bay, you were going to fight oh. Michelle Batista. You wound up winning by triangle choke. That was yeah. about five years ago, four and a half years ago. Six. I wanted to ask you, six. how much? Six years ago? Six years. That was 2018, right? 2018. November 2018. Uh, maybe you're right. Mm -hmm. You're right. My bad. My bad. I can't count. No worries. Um, Don't worry about me. All right. So what, what I wanted to ask you is how much better is the Maurice Green we're talking to now than the Maurice Green that was in our studio four and a half years ago, almost five years ago? Man, the Maurice Green that was in your studio in four and a half years was still unsure if, if this was the right path to take. You know, I fell into the sport of mixed martial arts at 25 years old, took my first fight in 30 days, and I just fucking fought and fought and fought. And, uh, you know, I just I just made a decision when my fiance was pregnant with my son. You know, I'm not going back to college. This is going to have to work. So, you know, a lot of my UFC career, like I said, it was all about the money. And, you know, I, I didn't train quite as hard. I wasn't as dedicated to my craft. Um, I loved jujitsu at the time, but I really wasn't as dedicated. Um, you know, I moved I did a lot of moving. You know, there was just a lot of shit that was going on. And uh, I also had a little bit of a drug problem and. You know, I thought I was this special athlete and, you know, my talent would would win me fights until I got humbled too many times to a point where it's like, oh, no, hard work works, Maurice. You know, do the fucking work. Um, and the athlete you're looking at now is the, is the athlete that's 260-some pounds. I lift three times a week. You know, I think of it this way. I never used to lift my most of my fight career until I got with of course, John's lifting coach, Jordan, at uh, Zia Strength Systems. And, you know, I put on some size that, that I can maintain and I can breathe with this size. And there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of valuable things I, I've gotten out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, uh, you know, I'm only thankful. But the only way to pay back Albuquerque for as much as they did to me is go out and win this world championship and bring another belt back here to, uh, um, back here to Albuquerque with me and uh, Team Bones. Sounds great. We look forward to it on ESPN, folks. Friday, August 18th, you can watch Maurice Green, our guest here against Hennon Fajeda. 
in the main event, and they got a great card there. There's two semifinals in the heavyweights and two semifinals uh, as well in, let's see, who else is going with you guys that night? It looks like uh, the uh, ladies, the ladies featherweights. The ladies. So, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Marissa Pacheco, big uh, name. La, La Ressa. She was on my season yep. ultimate fighter, too. Yeah. All right, great stuff, Mo. Thanks for the time. Get back to that swim uh, workout. I will. Thank you, gentlemen. You have a wonderful day. Thank you, you for too. having me. Take care. We'll see you. Bye. Man goes, I got to get them goggles out and maybe start swimming a little because there are times when I walk Yogi and I hit this little incline going uphill. Oh, my lower back tightens up a little. Your lower back? Yeah. he's. I know he's talking more about knees and ankles and saving them from running. That's why he swims so much. But I think, yeah, a little bit of my lower back, my hip tightens up a little. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah, he was, yeah. Uh, you know, he was fun when we had him in studio back then, and he's just a different cat, really. But uh, this whole being with John Jones seems like it's changed his life. Oh yeah, new life basically. All right, let's get back to some of this news out there. We'll hustle through it. Sean O'Malley, he's he's smart, goes. He's saying he's fighting the prime bantamweight goat right now, um, in Aljamain Sterling. So he's putting Aljamain Sterling over. Now, Alistair Sterling's already over. He's a damn champion, for crying out loud. But O'Malley has a lot of fans. And to his own fans, he's basically giving praises to the champ. But it's smart because it's going to look even better if he beats him because, obviously, he put him on that high pedestal. So I think part of it was a little bit of showmanship, mind games, who knows what. Respect, probably some respect there as well. However, one part I disagree with is he says he's the best Vandalweight the UFC's ever had. He's defended the belt more times than anyone. Okay, the best Vandalweight the UFC's ever had, that's up for debate. That could be either uh, Cruz, I guess, would be in the running, or uh, Sterling. Maybe some would even argue Dillashaw. Who knows? But I think Cruz and Sterling is probably the one that, the two that come up the most. Um, well, uh, Cruz has five title defenses. Now, some of them did occur in WEC, but I think there's enough respect in the industry that we count those because that was the highest level of Bantamweight fighting that was taking place at that time. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of like give them that. You know what I'm saying? I would say Cruz still has the most title defenses. If you want to play the nitpick game, maybe some of those occurred in the UFC and maybe him and Aljo are tied because of that. But I still think any hardcore fan would say, no, you still tra tra trail Cruz by two. He's, Sterling's got three, Cruz has two. You know what? I, Sean O'Malley, I go back and forth on him, man. But the one thing I will say, I think he's a very intelligent guy. And I think I he's an intelligent him. fighter. I think he kind of, uh, I guess the easiest way of putting it is I think he just gets it. And so um, that is a very smart thing to say. But when I look at this fight, I just feel like Aljamain Sterling can do everything Sean O'Malley can do and maybe even better, right? The only thing that keeps me around is the fact that I do feel like Sean O'Malley is improving from fight to fight. And maybe it's enough of a jump to catch Aljo. But the little bit of heat that they have, um, the way Sean is, that's what's really gotten me excited about the fight. So... And I think that a lot of that's a credit to Sean O'Malley and how he promotes himself, how he promotes fights. I'm excited to see this one. 
Sterling should be thankful too because it's probably going to help him have, land a bigger check. Um, this fight will be that much bigger because of Sean O'Malley's popularity. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as well, that story goes, yeah, I just wanted to point out that Cruz is ahead. Um, and I think Cruz is still regarded as the Bantamweight GOAT. Sterling's closing the gap for sure, but um, Sterling's going to have to go above and beyond a little bit because he came out of the gate a little slow. The way he won the title, boy, a lot of people had a sour taste in their mouth. But as Sterling, A, got past Jan fair and square, and now has started to really you know, pour it on some fighters, that respect is coming, and it's well-deserved. It's not his fault T.J. Dillashaw walked into a fight with a shoulder that was ready to pop out at any moment. Sterling just did what he had to do at that moment, you know? But it wasn't his fault there, and it wasn't his fault he got illegally uh, need by Jan to begin with. Was there some acting? Yeah. And I would tell Sterling that to his face. I'd say, come on, bro, you didn't make a lot more faces than you needed to. We, we already knew that guy did something egregious, you just had to basically sit there in pain, and we knew the title was going to be yours, and that's the way it should be. It was an e- it was that illegal, but there was some additional face making. I think that kind of went a little bit overboard, yeah. and that's fine. We'll probably have a good laugh at that when we're all a little bit older. Um, point is, he's a tough sob, and he gets past Sean O'Malley. Uh, he'll be at four. I-, I don't know if he'll hang out for one more to tie Cruz. But he really keeps saying more and more about how this might be it. I need to go up. But again, what awaits him at 145 goes is like a grim reaper, man. Oh, I would yeah. avoid that guy as long as I can in Volkanovski uh, with the excuse of, well, I kind of want to tie Cruz. And I just go through one more weight cut if I had to. I would too. Um, I think another thing that's going to help him is I, I legitimately think Sean O'Malley is a really good fighter. And I think he's going to get better and have a good career. And I think, you know, the more impressive work he does in that division, the better it's going to make that Aljamain Sterling win uh, look, or sorry, win over O'Malley. So yeah. uh, I, I think there are ways Aljamain Sterling could, I don't know. He could be competitive at 145, but I, I just really feel like 135 is he's dominant. He could stay there and really wreck shop for a while. I mean, if he gets a hold of Volk, yeah. You know, sometimes he's a backpack and he just drains the life out of you. But you have such a good thing going on where you're at. Like, I would I would really just try and cement the legacy there. That's what I'm saying. Um, Volk showed me that he can, he can withstand what Aljo presents because he was impressive in his defenses, submission defenses versus... Um, Makashev, who's a, just a big, big dude, you know? But here's the latest 292 card, in case you're wondering, with the switch. It's Sterling versus O'Malley for the Manly title. Jean Wei Lee versus Amanda Limos for the Strawway title. Ian Machado Gary versus Neil Magny. He slips in for Drift Neil. Mario Batista, a recent guest on Junkie Radio, versus Cody Garbrandt, a former champion. Pedro Munoz versus Marlon Vera. All right, Derek Lewis goes. He signed an eight-fight deal. This is where I was going to tell you where... Um, you know, uh, what's Wonder Boy's version? What's Dana's version? You know, and we it, it could become so much more exciting of a topic. That's all we know, folks. He just signed an eight fight deal. We don't know the money. 
We don't know the bonuses, uh, the this or that, whatever. Just Hunter Campbell got the deal, the, the deal done. He kind of nodded at Dana White, who was asked about this uh, during a power slap for post-fight news conference. And uh, he he said, yes, it's done. So congrats to the Black, Black Beast. Remember, he had an option there of possibly going to PFL and being a $2 million fighter because that's what the first or the opponent for Francis Ngannou gets. But it uh, looks like Derek Lewis just really wanted to stay with the UFC. Maybe he got close enough money that, you know, it's the same thing, I guess. I don't know. Well, I think here's what we do know. No matter what. Derek Lewis is probably making more money because of something Francis Ngannou did, right? Yeah. I've been calling it the Good Francis point. Ngannou effect, and this is one of the first uh, things that have popped up because of it. No matter what, Derek Lewis probably added more money to a contract that had Francis not done what he did, might have been a little bit smaller, and now... Uh, here you go. This is a fighter making more money because of what Francis Ngannou did. And that's why I, I constantly push that what he did was such a big deal. It's just sad that we don't know the details. And 5% of that is because I'm just a nosy MFR goes. But the mm -hmm. other 95% is because I really feel for these athletes who have just been um, deceived into thinking that if they release this, it's going to really impact their personal life. You know, every fucking day, all right, from the end of May, mid-May to about mid-August, I log on anything Manchester United related, and I know exactly what those guys make, what it would cost to transfer one guy to another, uh, from one team to another team, how much the team would make, how much the agent stands to make, how much the athlete is going to get in wages, you know, for that particular deal or what they had for their last deal. And guess what? That soccer athlete isn't getting badgered by all these homies for loans, or maybe they are, whatever, but they can handle it. You don't think a tough guy like Derek Lewis can handle it a lot better than a soccer player? A soccer player can, you sure. know, what's he going to say? Uh, stop asking me. I might kick you. Derek Lewis will put your lights out. It That's the biggest bullshit line out there. You know, I think he should release what it is, and then the next guy can play off of that and use that as some sort of leverage, kind of like what you called goes the Francis and Gondo effect. I'm sure Derek Lewis used some of that. Get some of that money that's out there, guys. You know what I mean? And and the UFC has said you can make it public, it won't bother us. Well, of course, we know it will bother them, but they did say you can make it public. But guess what? If you win, you win. But I'm telling mm -hmm. you, so many of these athletes could be doing way better if they just kind of put their shit out there. Um, but they're under this spell, man. They are just under a spell. And it's weird because a lot of these agents dabble in football, but they just they bend the knee, man, when it comes to the UFC and their executives. They, they, they just don't want to go there at all. Oh, yeah. I, I can only imagine. I'm, I'm going to take a guess here. It's eight fights. Derek Lewis ain't showing up from less than 500000 And I bet you because of the Francis Ngannou effect, I don't think he got a million dollars a fight, but I would say maybe he ends at a million dollars a fight. I'd say he probably gets seven fifty just to show. Don't worry about the win bonus. Probably for the next 
four fights and then maybe it goes up from there to a million who knows but i bet you he wanted to assure them himself that within maybe the first two fights he wanted to make what he couldn't make by facing francis and ganu right yeah i was kind of guessing eight around there but yeah 758 around there i think right he might say okay in one fight I can get this over in Ghana, but in two fights I can get this. But I stay in the UFC, which is the biggest promotion, which is where I'm at. I'm happy with these guys. I could I could possibly see that because I don't know what Ngannou's deal is. I don't know how long he'll be at PFL. We know he's got the Fury matchup, and then he's got a, some PFL run in him, and then after that, who knows? You know, because Ngannou could fight one time, and that's it. He only assures his opponent gets two million dollars. When he faces them, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. If Ngannou beats Lewis, here's your two million. But then Ngannou wants to face someone else. Lewis isn't getting two million then. No. Yeah. So anyway, whatever. It's 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 done. Hey, tough. Tough is winding up, goes. They had the coaches challenge uh, the other day, this past Tuesday show. For those that didn't watch it, here we go. You got five seconds to turn the show off and come back in about three minutes or so. Five minutes maybe to play it safe. Five, four, three, two, and one. All right. These two guys had to get into a cold, uh, a bathtub, a, a cold plunge tub. And they went about waist high. So they didn't sink in all the way down to their neck or their chin. So they sat in some cold water. And while they did it, they did it while answering trivia questions. Now, the editing made it look like it was maybe 10 minutes long. But apparently, according to Dana, it was 30 minutes long, and he's really, really pissed at the production team. The only thing I'll say is, and yes, I know by now it sounds like I'm a Dana hater. I'm not. Um, Dana was sitting there, goes, with a big old smile next to Brooklyn Wren and the rest of them laughing, kind of almost mm-hmm. giggling at those guys, you know, clattering. The teeth were clattering a little bit, and they were laughing. To me, it looked like they were all having a good time. I didn't know it was 30 minutes. Yes, I'm sure it could be dangerous, but they're also grown men who could just step out if they wanted to. You know, um, they knew that it would cost their team some money, so maybe could they have sped it up? Sure. Uh, what were your thoughts on all that when you heard what Dana said and when you watched it, and did you enjoy it? I thought it was dumb. When we were watching it, I was thinking, wait a minute. I thought you can't stay there for, for very long. But I know one of the big components is the water cannot be above your heart for too long i think that's like the really dangerous thing and you're right it was kind of low um so i just thought maybe that was the adjustment but if you're there and you're laughing along and having a good time then you can't blame the production crew because you basically made the same mistake they did right so yeah uh, i don't know that you throw them under the bus like that but um the episode was interesting it was it was a different twist, right, on on what we're used to seeing in coaches' challenges. Yeah, yeah. I, he was there. He was there. So he says he's done it. Um, so if you've done it, I'm sure you know a lot about it. You got a lot of smart people around you, Dana. You could have spoke up at that moment. But whatever. Um, nothing happened. We're okay with it now. Uh, McGregor won. And what's funny is McGregor's made a little bit of a comeback, but it's kind of like... How can I put it? I kind of put it to you. It's got a little twist to it. So he obviously was down seven nothing in the first seven weeks. Then he won that last guy. And then after that, Katona became one of his guys, and he's won. So between 
His guy that won, and his name escapes me. I'll get it for you in a second. I got the thing open here. Uh, Katona, and then winning the coaches challenge, a little bit of a comeback. I was telling Goes yesterday, I it, it breaks my heart that this guy is fighting these demons because any scene with him when he's kind of sober is fucking hilarious, man. The guy mm-hmm. cracks me up. They asked the question. I forgot. I, 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 forgot I, I forgot what the question was. I, I know what the question was, but I forgot what the choices were. But I think it said, in what round did Conor McGregor get choked by Habib Nurmagomedov. I mean, you look at McGregor, he was shaking, but he was in such a good mood that he just kind of laughed it off, like, bitch, why you got to bring that up, you know, as, as a question, <laughs> uh, when you could have probably brought up anything else. But he, he laughed it off pretty good. Um, and then he, he was playing mind games with Chandler because Chandler was struggling a little bit. I thought it was going to be the other way around. Usually the wrestlers are pretty tough with this kind of stuff, and they, I would think that they're closer to being cold plunge guys and a kickboxer from you know slash boxer from uh ireland but apparently chandler hasn't done too much of this uh chandler got a nice question because his question just had to do with how vicious of a ko artist chandler's been has he had 11 ko's or 13 ko's you know but poor or mcgregor no to hear, in what round did he get strangled by the biggest <laughs> nemesis he's ever faced luckily he laughed it off he had another phony line too when he was messing with chandler he goes ah this is no problem this is warm i feel like i'm in a jacuzzi in one of my yachts oh my god that was hilarious i love that i love the challenge mcgregor won um it was cool it was cool uh as far as the season goes the fight was awesome um Oh, I got you that name, by the way. It's Rico DiSulio. He faces Cody Gibson next week. That's the last semifinal. DiSulio is from his team. So um, he he has a chance to face his other guy, which is Brad Katona, who, who, to be fair, is part of Team McGregor or Team SVG in real life. Mm -hmm. This other fight involved Jason Knight and Kurt Holobaugh. Wow, these guys smacked each other pretty good. In the end, Kurt Holobaugh won via TKO. Both guys pretty much stayed homies, kind of like Austin Hubbard did versus Roosevelt Roberts. All these guys are from Team Chandler. So in the finale, it'll be Hubbard versus Holobaugh. But I sure as, hope, sure as hell hope that Knight and Roberts, whether they face each other or just someone else, get a shot to be in the finale because those guys went out there and they performed and they that part of their whole thing was redemption. I think the most important thing is neither guy will probably be the same after that fight. You know, and that yeah, that needs to be rewarded. And Knights had a few of those. Knights had a few of those, man. Uh, just to finish up here, Mike Perry goes resigns with um, BKFC. Good signing, right? Very good. I mean, he's become kind of the face of that organization, and uh, I think it just it fits perfectly for him for for right now, at least. Yeah. Um... I think he went as far as he was going to in MMA. Respect. He did well. He gained a lot of fans. We all enjoyed his fights. But he's standing out pretty pretty much over there at BKFC. I think that's pretty legit. So good on him for that. Um, the D- Dylan Dennis is facing Logan Paul in a boxing match. I don't know if some of you care about that. But because Dennis is a notorious changer of plans he has to pay there's a hundred thousand dollar pullout clause if he withdraws from the boxing match so that's a nice little twist i guess logan paul doesn't want to waste his money but they're supposed to fight in the uk and it's on october 14th 
the Misfits boxing banner. Also on that card, I believe, is KSI, who's a, another YouTuber. He's facing somebody, but I lost his name, so I don't think it matters too much because I think most people just want to know about Dylan Dennis. He's MMA, and I guess Logan Paul, he's pretty damn popular as is. Clarissa Shields re-signs with the PFL. We haven't seen her in about a year or so, if I'm not mistaken. So, okay, she's awesome as a boxer, folks. If you've never seen her box, she really is dope there. But in regards to um, her... MMA career? What was it? Uh, 2021? We might be going on two years, right? Yeah. Since she's fought. So, I mean, we'd love to see her. Um, the weekend has UFC on ESPN 51. In the main, the main card is on ESPN at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Dos Angels versus Luque is your main event. That's on Saturday. And tomorrow, Bellator 298, Storley versus Ward. That's on Showtime, the main card. 10 p.m. Eastern. On August 19th, Goes and I will be doing a watch-along for uh, UFC 292 with Sterling versus O'Malley at the top of the bill. Don't forget, on Mondays, we're going at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern for our Spinning Backlick video franchise, weekly franchise that we do with our colleagues. It's only for the next 10 weeks while Dana White Contender Series uh, does their 10-week run. The reason? Because the weigh-ins for Dana White Contender Series start at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, the normal start time. So we're adjusting. We're going an hour early, uh, and we just want to give you as many reminders of that as possible. And just to finish up, nice little segue there. Dana White Contender Series started off. It was nice. Maybe we'll get a little bit more into it next week um, because we've already gone a little bit over here. But goes. it was a fun night on Tuesday night, man. We had a guy from Peru go in. Uh, they had a heavyweight. They had a kickboxer who had once been um, Pajeda, some guy named Almeida. He got in. They got this Australian guy named Tom Nolan, a lightweight that looks like a killer in the future. He, he got in. So we got a little bit of everything, man. There was some violence on Tuesday night over there at the Apex. It was one of their better first weeks to kick off. Yeah, for sure. You got to get down there for one of those because uh, it was really, really good. Congrats to Cesar Almeida, Tom Nolan. Kyle Machado, Peyton Talbot, that's the other guy, the guy that kind of looks like Bruce Leroy, uh, and Kevin Borjas from Peru, also in really, really nice body work uh, at the end there. I think he caught Dana White's attention. So anyway, every Tuesday night, check it out. And Dana White Contender Series is also starting early for the first couple of weeks because of the Ultimate Fighter. So they're going at 7 Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. In case you got thrown off, they'll do that for a few more weeks. And then they'll go to their normal time of 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. So a lot of start times there uh, throwing your way, but I don't want you guys to miss anything. So don't forget the schedule tab at the top of the MMA Junkie website. It'll tell you everything you need to know. Who's on the card, what weight classes, uh, location, daytime, all that stuff. All right, folks, we're going to bounce on out of here. Have a nice weekend. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We'll see you all on Monday for Spinning Back Click. Go out and be a champion as always. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.